You are listening to a podcast by Creekside, a ministry of the Salvation Army. We are a community woven together, striving to live and love like Jesus. To learn more, please visit us at creeksideatl.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to worship with you in a new way, but still some way that connects us all together in worshiping God. Our scripture for this morning is from Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. So if you'd like to turn there with me, it'd be great to read this together. Acts 2, verses 14 through 41. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed them. You men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, know this and listen carefully to what I say. In spite of what you think, these men are not drunk, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken about through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it will be, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will perform wonders in the sky above and miraculous signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be changed to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, Peter continued, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man clearly attested to you by God with powerful deeds, wonders, and miraculous signs that God performed among you through him, just as you yourselves know, this man who was handed over to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you executed by nailing him to a cross at the hands of Gentiles. But God raised him up having released him from the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held in its power. For David says about him, I saw the Lord always in front of me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My body also will live in hope, because you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor permit your Holy One to experience decay." You have made known to me the paths of life. You'll make full of joy with your presence. Brothers, I can speak confidently to you about our forefather David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So then, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, David, by foreseeing this, spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his body experience decay. This Jesus God raised up, and we are all witnesses to it. So then, exalted to the right hand of God, and having received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know beyond a doubt that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
Now when they heard this, they were acutely distressed and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, What should we do, brothers? Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added. Amen. I love roller coasters. I don't know about you, but I love roller coasters, and I always have, really. I love the creativity that goes into making these incredible rides. I love being surprised by them. One time I was on a ride and the rail of the ride was sort of in the middle and you sat on either side. And as you went through the ride, and it's just like any other big roller coaster, you would spin, your seat would spin forwards or backwards. So at one point, my family would start behind me. And as we went on the ride, they were all of a sudden in front of me. And I loved it. I love the surprise of it. I love the speed of it. I love how high these rides can get. I love that you can have this real, like, genuine sense of accomplishment, even though all you've done is just sit down. I mean, it's pretty cool that you can feel so very accomplished just by sitting. That's my kind of accomplishment right there. I love the climb, the slow build as you gradually make your way up to the crest of the big drop, and then fin- finally get to that point and see uh, down and see just how just nerve-wracking that vista is. I love that feeling, actually, that feeling of nervousness and uh, uncertainty, Uh, that feeling that really, I think, comes from realizing that you have no control of the situation. I mean, you're just hoping that the people that are employed to inspect these things, which, by the way, no government agency inspects roller coasters, just so you know. I I hope I haven't ruined it for anybody. It's just like Joe Schmo from somewhere. Uh, But I love that feeling of, I don't have control right now, and I'm just here for the ride. It can be terrifying to not be in control. I was in uh, the line for another ride called the Goliath one time, and at this time, uh, when I was riding this ride, this this ride had the tallest drop of any roller coaster in the world, 255 feet. It was terrifying. As I'm in the line, I'm getting up to the front, I see a guy about my age get into the car, okay? He's committed already. Get into the car and then change his mind and get out of the car. And then I saw as that large line, several hundred people, mercilessly mocked this poor kid for getting out of the car I mean, we heard, you know, people saying, oh, or, you know, does somebody, is somebody scared of the ride? Those sorts of things. And as I heard that, I thought, I am not in control of this situation anymore. And in fact, being right here in this line means I'm going to ride this ride no matter what, because I don't want to be treated the way that guy was just treated. Losing control of a situation can be intimidating. It can be frightening. It can be exhilarating. In Acts 2, the Spirit fell upon 
the disciples. And in a sense, they really lose control, or at least they gave up control. It says that in over a dozen languages, the people who are gathered around the disciples could hear the disciples speaking. They were speaking in their languages, and the crowd is really confused by this. I mean, they it says in the scripture that they think that they are drunk. And so Peter, sort of the head disciple, the number one disciple in a sense, realizes he's got to kind of diffuse the confusion here. And it says that Peter stands up to explain what's going on. And he explains to them that, you know, it's nine o'clock here, but it's five o'clock somewhere. I'm just kidding. That's not what he says. He says it's nine o'clock and it's too early to be drinking. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. And he goes on to really be a part of what is a singular moment in all of human history. The church has just been miraculously suddenly born. Wind and fire, sound of dozens of languages being spoken, and thousands now have gathered to see what is this all about, what is going on. What is Peter going to say to them? I mean, think about it. Here it is. This miraculous thing has just happened. All these people are gathered. And here Peter is standing up in the breach to explain something, to say something, to say something worth saying. And he could have said anything, I suppose. I mean, he could have puffed himself up, you know, talked about his relationship to Jesus, I guess. He, he could have done as many other uh, leaders of movements have done and incited a riot of sorts. He could have become the leader of a new kind of um, zealous movement to overthrow Rome in this moment. He could have preached whatever was on his mind, you know, just taken his pulse and said whatever he wanted to say. He could have even defaulted to something uh, Jesus said about ethics, you know, uh, some of the things that he heard many, many times said by Jesus about how we should live and what we should do and what makes a moral person. But he doesn't say any of those things. Instead, Peter here in this sermon, this is not an overstatement, Peter charts the course in this sermon for every sermon to come after. All preaching sense is in some sense built upon this sermon that Peter delivers. It says he stands up with the eleven. Now it's not just a coincidence that the scripture tells us that. He is here with all of the apostles. He is here with the men who rub shoulders with the Son of God. And he stands up with them and he delivers the gospel. In a sense, by putting that little detail here, that he stands up with the eleven, Luke is telling us this is the message. This is the message that the church has been created for. Here is the good news we are supposed to witness to. And so what is that message? First, he clears up the confusion about what's happened. He says, no, we weren't drunk. Okay, we're not drunk. And he goes on to say, this is what Joel, the prophet, was actually talking about. When Joel said, and in the last days it will be, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Notice how inclusive the description here in Joel is. 
Amazing how inclusive it is in verses 17 through 21. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, young men and old men, even servants, both men and women. His spirit will be poured out on all people full stop. Everyone. Right away we know this good news is for everyone. And the old orders, you know, the old ways of being of building things upon someone's race or their ethnicity or their national origin or their family ties or their tribe, that is no more. Those are not constraints now for the Holy Spirit. Jesus had said something like this to Nicodemus, right? When he said that the Spirit goes wherever he wants to go. The Spirit cannot be controlled. He's not lost control. And then Peter goes on from there to say uh, that basically what we've just witnessed is this event here in Joel. Now, the people had asked, what does this mean? So Peter goes on to explain that as well. So our second point then, Peter says to them in his sermon what else they've witnessed. He says, you've executed Jesus the Nazarene, but God raised him up. Shouldn't have been surprised by this, actually, because David told us this would happen in Psalm 16. He goes on, Jesus was raised up and we all witnessed his resurrection and he's been exalted to the right hand of God. But of course, we should have known that that would happen because David told us it would happen in Psalm 110. David finishes with a really interesting, excuse me, Peter finishes here also with what I think is maybe the greatest climax in all of preaching. I mean, it's the first sermon, first Christian sermon ever, right? And he finishes by saying, let all of Israel know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus whom you crucified is Lord and Christ. That's the gospel. Sure, there's a lot more unpacking to do. I mean, a preacher's got to make a living after all. But here with the 11, immediately after Pentecost, this is the word Peter shares. And he shares it as a witness to it. Now, witness is a great word. When you've witnessed something, you're not making it up, okay? When you witness something, it's not something that you've invented. As a witness, you really don't have very much to do with the event that you've witnessed. It's not something you've forced to happen. You're really not involved in it at all. You don't have much control over the event you witness. And it's Peter saying here then, as a witness, God did this and we just witnessed it. This is something God did. You know, Peter didn't make this stuff up because the people interrupt him. In verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were acutely distressed and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, What should we do, brothers? Peter forgot the part every audience wants to hear. Like, what do we do next? Okay, great. Now what? Peter's not even got that far in this sermon. And Peter responds with actions for them to do that we continue to do to this day. He says, repent and receive. Repent of your sins and receive the Holy Spirit. And from that, 3,000 people, we're told, are saved. Fred Craddock says Luke really gives us the gospel twice. Luke is the author of the gospel of Luke. That makes sense. And he's also the author of the book of Acts. And we find here in these two 
books, the gospel given twice. What Jesus did, the disciples do. Jesus fed and loved and cared and preached. The disciples fed and loved and cared and preached. They surrendered to Jesus' way. They followed his example. They were baptized in his way. Surrendered totally to it, immersed in it. And they received the Holy Spirit. God poured out his spirit upon them and made them Christians, little Christs. And with Jesus on the throne then, as Lord and as Christ, they became Jesus for the world. And now it's our turn to tell the gospel again in our lives. We don't like to give up control, losing control of the story, of the message, of our actions, of our belongings, of our lives is terrifying. It's uncomfortable. But Jesus is Lord and Christ. We are already rightfully belong to him. There's no substitute for his authority and no authority on heaven, in heaven or on earth that is higher or greater than his. We just had a president inaugurated, new Congress sworn in, the Supreme Court is in session. But make no mistake, friends, Jesus is our government. He is our authority and life. In the deepest sense, he is our king. And it's with that that we also have the deepest sense of a relief to know that in a time when it seems like so much is out of our control, he still is in control. So in the knowledge of his authority, of his overcoming the whole world, let's feed and love and care and preach. Let's be witnesses. Let's give him the control that belongs to him. Acknowledge his control in our lives. Let's hear the good news and witness to the good news that Jesus is Lord and Christ. Thanks again for listening to this podcast by Creekside. We would love to connect with you. Visit creeksideatl.org.